0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to another Sport Universe podcast. It's me, Brian, and Drummond Nick.
1: What's going on, guys?
0: And Max. Hello, everybody. Okay, so we're going to start with baseball because, obviously, the World Series is going on. But we're going to go into the football games from last week, OBJ being out for the year, um, some NBA NBA stuff, and some hockey stuff. Okay, so let's just go through each game, starting with Game 1. Right now, the Dodgers lead the Series 3-2, but I'm going to go game by game. So, Game 1. Clayton Kershaw versus Tyler Glassnow. Um Once these stats load, that'd be great. Okay, so Tyler Glasnow obviously didn't have a good game. Um, Clayton Kershaw, on the other hand, did have a good game, and that's something we've been talking about with Clayton Kershaw throughout the playoffs, if he can actually push the Dodgers through and be another viable starter for them. And so far he hasn't been, but um, recently in the World Series, at least, he's definitely been a key part of their... Um, success um and we're gonna see in game five he pitched well as well he pitched well as well um in terms of the offense uh Dodgers scored eight Rays scored three obviously the Dodgers were hitting um as they had been against the Braves um yeah let me see if there's anything else I want to hit on um Mookie Betts hit a home run game one but yeah eight three Dodgers Game one, then we'll go to game two. This game went to the Rays 5-6-4, sorry. Um, the pitching matchup was... Why is this not really... Uh, Blake Snell versus Goslin for the Dodgers. Yeah. Goslin for the Dodgers. Um, it was more of a bullpen game for the Dodgers, um, which is an interesting thing to do. Obviously we see the Rays do it all the time, but it's definitely becoming a more major part of, uh, baseball and to do it in the world series for the Dodgers is definitely an interesting idea. Um, it didn't really bode well for them as they ended up losing. Um, but Goslin did have, he pitched 1.1 innings, um, one earned run on the other side. Blake's now, um, pitched well, um, Obviously, give two earned runs, not the best, but um, it's also not that bad in the World Series in terms of the hitting. Um, Ten hits for the Rays, five hits for the Dodgers. Um, yeah, I mean, not much more to report there other than the pitching. Uh, we have Game Three. Game Three, six-two Dodgers. So now the Dodgers are up two-one. The pitching matchup was Charlie Morton versus Walker Buehler. Um, obviously, we know Buehler is. Um, outstanding pitcher. The number one for the Dodgers, in my opinion, it can go back and forth between clean Kershaw and Bueller, but I'm pretty sure we can, most people agree is Bueller. Um, six innings, three hits, one earned run, 10 strikeouts, just insane numbers for the world series. On the other side, Charlie M- Morton did not have a good game. 4.1 innings pitched, uh, seven hits, five earned runs. Just not a good game. Offensively, um, Justin Turner hit a home run, Uh, Barnes hit a home run, yeah, I mean, 6-2, game three. Next up, game four, Um, this game was probably, I think for most people, their favorite game of the series, Um, it went back and forth throughout the game, obviously ending on that crazy walk-off by the Rays, um, which had a multitude of errors, well, really only one error by the Dodgers in terms of statistical errors, but it just wasn't... uh, clean play at all that end of the game. Um, Just a highlight, that's going to be played for a while, and it brought me back to the days when the Mets were in the World Series and kept on making errors. Um, But yeah, so in terms of the pitching matchup for that game, it was uh, Urias versus Yarbrough. Um, Both pitchers pitched well. Um, For the Rays, it was more of a bullpen game as well. Um, But... Yarbrough didn't have the best game, two earned runs. It was an okay game in terms of Urias, continued to pitch well, two earned runs, nine strikeouts, through 4.2 innings pitched. Obviously would have wanted to get more innings in for him, but other than that, pitched well offensively. Um, Justin Turner hit another home run. Corey Seager hit a home run. Um, and Kiermaier, Razzarina, uh, Renfro hit a home run, and I'd like to talk about Razzarina and what he's been doing. First, I want to go through all the games um So that was game four. I think for a lot of people, their favorite game of the series, definitely, and one of the best games, World Series games in a while. Uh, finally, game five, where we were last night, the Dodgers ended up winning. Uh, another Tyler Glasnow versus Clayton Kershaw game. Tyler Glasnow once again did not pitch well. Five innings pitched, four own runs, seven strikeouts, three walks. On the other side, Clayton Kershaw. Had a okay game, not as good as game one for him, but two on runs, six strikeouts, 5.2 innings. Nothing to really be that mad at in terms of pitching. Offensively, um, it was 4-2 Dodgers, like I said. Peterson hit a home run for the Dodgers. Monzi hit a home run for the Dodgers. Um, that's all I really have to say for that, but I want to talk about Rosarina, who's definitely, if the Rays pull this out, um, which I guess I'll talk to as well, is definitely be the MVP. He's hit home run after home run throughout the playoffs and in the World Series, um, RBI after RBI. Not even a player that I had ever heard of, and that could be because I just never really watched the Rays. But um, definitely a player that has stepped it up in the uh, playoffs this far, and kind of reminds me not to just keep mentioning the Mets, but of what Daniel Murphy did in 2015 for the Mets, basically pulling the Mets. Uh, I think he had like eight straight games with eight home. Eight home runs in each streak, eight games with a home run in each game, is what I'm trying to say. Um, and pulled the Mets all the way to the World Series, was insane to watch. And a Rosarina is having a very similar playoffs. Um, just in terms of, like I said, I don't know what a Rosarina was like before the playoffs, but I would imagine he was an average player and he's just played outstanding. And that's similar to what Daniel Murphy was. Um, in terms of my prediction, which I had said last week. I said it was going to be four-two Dodgers. I'm going to stick with that. Um, I'm rooting for the Rays, in my opinion, because they're like that underdog team, um, and also is a foe of the Yankees, so that would be fun if they won. But I am rooting for the I am rooting for the Rays, but I think the Dodgers are going to take it four-two. I'm going to stick with my final prediction. Nick, any thoughts about the World Series this far?
2: Um, yeah, I got to say, so far it's been a pretty good World Series. And I also agree with you. I think the Dodgers hitting has been phenomenal for yeah, the series yeah. so far. Um, and I think that's that's going to play a major factor going forward. And it may allow them to win this game, mm-hmm. uh, this next game alone. Um, but that being said, if they do wind up losing this next game, I also think that the Dodgers have the potential to force, I don't want to say force, but uh, throw Clayton Kershaw back on the mound for Game 7 if they really want to push him,
0: mm-hmm.
2: which would I think would get, obviously give them an advantage uh, in Game 7. So. Um, with the position that Dodgers in now I definitely think uh, they may go 4-2 and if not they'll definitely win the series but going into it I would have predicted the Dodgers as well so
0: yeah
2: um, so pretty good world series and uh gotta say like the, the Dodgers might finally be able to put it together this year after acquiring Mookie Betts um, and yeah. kind of a ridiculous uh acquirement <laughs> <laughs> definitely the, the, the fact that the Red Sox didn't keep him but uh it goes to show that the Red Sox definitely should have kept him but <laughs> um, yeah Yeah, so I do think the Dodgers are going to win the series.
0: I mean, what we had talked about last week was that what's going to take the Dodgers over the race is going to be their hitting and how they played in the playoffs before the series. It was evident that their hitting was on point and the way they were able to take on the Braves in their pitching definitely showed that they have the hitting, which they should with the players they have on their team, and they've definitely been able to do that throughout the World Series. The Clayton Kershaw idea is interesting for Game 7. I just wonder how much... They trust him in the playoffs, even though he's had a really good World Series thus far. Um, but yeah, there's definitely games off, there's days off in between, which is different than the previous uh, series. So that could be a possibility. Yeah,
2: for um, yeah, me, like as as a manager or a uh, franchise, like this goes across all sports. No matter how your guy's been doing, if he's your guy, if he's your go-to right. guy, he's performed in the past. Even if he's going through a slump right now, you know, more often than not, you're going to give him that position to. To be in that clutch moment, and when you when you out something like the World Series, that's true. You know, Clayton Carshaw has been great through his career, so it's just you know you got to trust him down the line.
0: I mean, that is true, but they also do have like Bueller and um, Urias. But yes, I do see what you're saying. You're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I think. We should go into basketball and then go into football, just to give Max some more time.
2: Sure. So basketball this week, uh, it's going to be pretty short. All just right. a little bit of tactical news uh, coming out this week. You know, a lot of the players posting, uh, you know, either voting stuff or just them relaxing. With the offseason season only being seventy two days, um, kind of funny. I saw Jonathan Kupo was on a yacht this morning with his brothers and. Mm-hmm. It's funny, all I see from Giannis is him uh, poking fun at his brother Kostas for winning the championship. (laughs) Uh, It's kind of funny. But yeah, a lot of players are relaxing. Um, But on the more technical side, uh, the collective bargaining agreement between the uh, NBA PA, the Players Association, and the NBA um, is going to terminate on October 30th, which is right around the corner. It's in four days. Um, Essentially, if you don't know what the CBA is, it, it determines stuff like salary cap and you know what percentage of profit should the players collect versus the franchises and just you know it works with, you know players rights etc cetera, etc cetera. um and it gets tweaked every year mm-hmm. um and it's coming up to terminate on October 30th and they're going to have to sign a new one with that being said the start of the new season really hasn't started yet and rumors are leaking um this one came via the report that some players have agreements done with teams, which technically would be tampering because oh, yeah. they aren't allowed to sign or talk to players yet until the new season, I guess, technically starts. Um, but it is a really weird season. You know, you have to factor in that it is a 72-day offseason. They don't really have much time to talk. Um, and there hasn't really been any big breaking news, like any evidence put forth. It's kind of just rumors, again, from Via Bleacher Report this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, so it should be interesting to see if players sign right away those teams get investigated with those rumors coming out I'm going to lean towards no but uh again this season really short and it, it's kind of like they're in a weird s- spot right now because they have never had where situation in the NBA obviously before and this is going to go for probably a lot of sports going forward where it, you know I'd say it's mostly NBA because it's just how the time frame worked out they're in the middle of their season where their last season ended the new one season ends so quickly and right. you got to get your NBA draft on and then the players are expected those those rookies are expected to play for their teams possibly mm-hmm. within two to three weeks of them being drafted so a lot of ifs here and we'll see how this agreement works out um but yeah a lot of tactical news around the nba this week
0: right i think um, we'll go into football then Gosh.
2: Gotcha. so going over to the nfl uh good set of games this week some pretty interesting games um, with that being said, I'm going to hop right in. The first game of the week was our Thursday night game. We had the Giants versus the Eagles. Um, as a Giants fan, this was game was really painful. We held the lead throughout the majority of the game. Uh, you know, we started off kind of cold, then we really heated up. Uh, you know, the offense and the defense was looking really good, um, and we kind of fell apart late. Uh, notable things of the game: uh, Trav Fulgum, another great game, Eagles. Uh, a guy that seemingly has came out of nowhere. He was drafted in I think the sixth round by the Detroit Lions last year. Um kind of a nobody. He signs with the you know, he signs with the Eagles this year. Uh works his way off the practice squad onto the team and he's looking like a complete receiver out there, which is pretty incredible. Um there's that's an for the Eagles side and the Giants side. Uh A, I think I think I might have said this before, but I, I say it definitely between my friends. Evan Ingram has to go. We have to cut him. Um, you know, in terms of looking at our salary cap moving forward as a Giants fan, he just he, he has too many drops for us to pay him big money. And I feel like he's a talented receiver, but he seemed to put in the work or really put it together. Uh, he, it was about two minutes left in the fourth quarter. He dropped a crucial catch to win the game. That would essentially put the Giants in position to kneel out the ball. Uh, he didn't do that. And on the other side of things, the Giants did get the ball back with about 40 seconds left uh, down a field goal, I believe. And Daniel Jones got sacked. Uh, the amount of times that Daniel Jones fumbles and makes stupid mistakes. I was also early in that game. He had about, I think, an 80-yard rush where he would have had an easy walk-in touchdown. But went up tripping over himself. <laughs> and it became a meme of the week. Um, it's just very difficult to be a Giants fan right now. Um, every week that I see, you know, I'm not expecting Daniel Jones to be such sort of a spectacular talent right off the bat. Um, nor am I expecting to be a spectacular, spectacular talent um, moving forward in this season. What I do expect from Daniel Jones is for him to make, uh, you know, slight step ups through every week. You know, learn from your mistakes and move forward. And I'm personally not seeing that out of Daniel Jones. On, you know, he started off decent this year, but what's their said? He would have worked on more in the offseason. That That's a really simple thing to fix, and you know, you can't be a good quarterback if the ball isn't with the offense, right? If you're if you're getting strip sacks, turning it over with fumbles, you can't be a good quarterback because you're not touching the ball. So that's a really, I think that's something that's generally, you know, generally easier to fix, something you know, simple to work on that I think he could have made progress at, and I being it, just you know, just in terms of that. So I honestly don't know where I'm looking at Daniel Jones looking forward. I'm hoping he can make those improvements, but. If the Giants wanted to deal him and pick Trevor Lawrence up I'll uh, uh, get the first pick from the Jets, it's looking like at this point, oh. then I'd be all for it.
1: Yeah, I mean this is just we go I, this game is honestly peak NFC East. You know, we, we know our opinions on the Giants. Eagles, honestly not a lot better. And I said, you know, with w- way late in the fourth quarter, I said I don't know I don't remember when the Giants exactly went up by two possessions, but I just said something like, Okay, either they're Eagles look terrible, or they're going to come back and just make it, it just make it such a laugher. And I said they're probably going to come back because that's only right. And sure enough, they did. It's just honestly a terrible football game, such trash on a football field. And I I don't know how one of these teams
2: makes the playoffs. A hundred percent agree with you. I mean, that, that game ugly, incredibly ugly. Um, and also what's interesting news: Boston Scott did really well. He um, did receiving, which. I have this friend um, his name is Alex big Eagles fan from me and Brian's high school and like he always he always wins fantasy every year and he's a Big Eagles fan of course he picked up Boston Scott and he oh. did really well um, nice. so that that's um but yeah as, as you said Max any, any games that involves two NFC East teams don't expect anything spectacular. Um, moving on from there. We had the—we'll go to the Bills and the Jets, I guess. Uh, the Bills wind up winning this one 18-10. Also, I, didn't, I don't think I've said that with the Eagles and Giants. The Eagles wound up winning that game 22-21. to 21. Uh, With the Bills and the Jets, we had 18-10. to 10. Uh, The Bills moved to 5-2. and two. The Jets are now 0-7. Um, you know, the Jets had control of this game pretty early on. And as, as the game progressed, they kind of slowly fell apart. Um... Uh, Brian, let's start with Brian. You want Brian
0: any comments? Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> I mean, they're they're nothing different than the past. But Sam Darnold, I think, went for eleven for fourteen in the beginning of the game, and then um, had, I think, at one point after that went one for ten or something like that. So I mean, he started off the game well. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't know. He just to me, he never looks comfortable. And I think that does go to the part that their offensive line is terrible. And the fact that their offensive line is terrible this year just goes to show how bad it was last year because they did try to make improvements. And if you want to call them improvements, what they made. Um, But in terms of the overall Jets, which I'll talk about on the Jet Universe, is I think this might be one of the worst Jets teams I've ever watched. Um, I mean, just looking through, I think I started watching in... The season right before Mark Sanchez, and I think that was twenty. I think I started watching two thousand nine, if that time frame works. But yeah, I mean, you had two semi-good Mark Sanchez years, and you had the Geno Smith years, and you had the Ryan Fitzpatrick years, um, and now we're here, and uh, it's just not a good team defensively. They had an they had an okay game. One of it was funny because I don't know who the. Play-by-play? No, it wasn't play-by-play. It was... What's the other play? It's play-by-play and... Color? Yeah, color. the color commentator was saying, if you're a Jets fan out there, you have to be pretty happy with this game. The defense was good. And then he got to the offense, and he was trying to come up with a way to say that the offense was good, but he couldn't come up with a way because it just wasn't good. (laughs) And he was saying, they made some improvements. And I was like, yeah, they sure, they made some improvements. But, I mean, the defensive side was good. This was their first good game, um, I'd say. And then offensively, it was same old, same old. Except for the first half, which was semi-improvement.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, for the Jets, it's kind of the same old stuff. I was surprised they even get so close and then fell apart. I mean, I, right. I'd i be lying if I said I fully expect them to win. For the Bills, I mean, you gotta think, what's going on now? Because they look so good early. Are they... Is it just Josh Allen still needing more development? Are they coming back down to earth, or is, are they just in the slump right now? Because like, he, he looks so good early on. Now he's... He's looking more like he did last year. And it all started when with the, Titan, the game against the Titans a couple weeks ago. He hasn't been the same quarterback since. I don't really know what it is. Easy game for him to have a good game, and he didn't.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I totally so, agree, Max. you got to figure out what's wrong with Josh Allen. Why did he regress a little bit? And you know, not just Josh Allen himself, but the entire Jets team. Hmm. Um, with that being said, I heard rumors this morning that the Bengals are looking to deal a lot of players. Um, with the position that they're in, they one five and one now after losing to the Browns. We we'll get to that game in a second, um, but you know, the Bengals do have a lot of good pieces, veteran pieces on that on that team that they could deal. And see, uh, reading through some some literature, it seems like a lot of those Bengals players uh, seem to have good fits with the Bills. Um, players like Geno Atkins or you know some defensive players, you can have maybe an A.J. Green. Um, that would be incredible. A.J. Green, Stephon Diggs. Uh, I heard Carlos Dunlap, I believe it was. He
1: actually oh, put a for sale after mm-hmm. yesterday's game. And he went he went out, had an interview saying that, yeah, I'm
2: not joking about that either. Like, I want out of here. hundred percent. Yeah, there's some players that have explicitly axed out, like Carlos Dunlap, um, but there's also players like A.J. Green, who apparently uh, under, the, under the rug, I would say, uh, have... Said they wouldn't mind the change of scenery, so um, you know Bengals could pick uh, the Bills could pick up some pieces there as well as some other players around the uh, teams around the league, like the Patriots who suffered a pretty bad loss yesterday. Um, so I think if the, I think the Bills at the situation they're at right now, if they can get their chemistry and offense back, and maybe pick up a couple pieces on defense to really help solidify that defense, you could be looking at a really good team. If the Bills, a team like the Bengals, are looking to deal a lot of veteran players, but who could fill, you know, holes in a defense like the Bills, and that could be a really big add for that moving forward. Yeah. It could help. Yeah, I mean, the trade deadlines next
1: week, so either way, we'll be interested mm-hmm. to see what happens. I mean, the Ra- the Vikings already started by trading Yannick Ngakwe to the Ravens.
2: That didn't last very long, but, I mean, it's a mm-hmm. good pickup for the Ravens. I, I, totally, I totally forgot to mention that. I probably should start off with that. Um, that's a lot about the Bills game, so I do want to cover that right now, I guess. Yeah, I got you. Um, Totally forgot about thank you reminding me, uh, Max. So, yeah, the, the Ravens went and acquired Yannick Ngakwe, um, which is pretty incredible because, um, he had just signed with the Vikings uh this offseason and they already dealt him. He played what I think six games, uh, yeah. for the, Vi- for the yeah, were Vikings, providing. and now he's gone. Um, yeah. and it just makes me wonder like, I guess the Vikings really don't need to pay for a top tier pass rusher when they're as bad as they are right now. Um, and I guess it gives them more room to help the team elsewhere. I don't really understand the move, to, to be honest. I know It definitely helps the Ravens, don't get me wrong. But I don't understand the move from a Vikings perspective. Yeah, part of me is with you on that. And I just think, like, with the way
1: that the Vikings, I've said before on this podcast, they're way too talented to be 1-5. I don't really know what the issue is. I figure it has to more to do with coaching, although I have not watched the Vikings that intently this year, so I can't speak to that completely. But a team... I mean, team like that who just, even though Kirk Cousins isn't that good, a team like that who just comes out inconsistently every week. You don't know what the issue is. I, I point to coaching. It's almost like you're blowing up the wrong thing. Like, yeah, I get you're a bad team, and he's only on, like, Yannick Ngakwe is only on for one year. When you trade for him, and you don't think you're going to resign him, but it's like, why are you, why are the players what you're worrying about? I don't I don't think they the issue. I mean, probably, if any players is the issue, it's the quarterback who you can't move because he's under contract for three more years, so I think you i go to the coaching staff first, personally. But that's just my opinion.
2: Yeah, 100%. And it's like, if you're in the situation as a, as a Vikings fan, that stinks because, look, you had you got Yannick Ngakwe on your team for one year. If you can impress him with good coaching, um, which it seems like the Vikings had up until this year, again, we're not 100% sure what the issue was with the Vikings, but it seems that they had the coaching in place, they had the talent in place, you know, and they have the money, and they would have most likely had the money to pay Yannick Ngakwe. You know, it would have put you know if they were able to to work that out which it seemed that was a possibility going into the season it would have been a perfect situation for the for the vikings i mean every team in the nfl would love to have a young talented pass rusher like in and to see him go after six games it kind of stinks as a vikings fan and for the vikings franchise yeah it's really tough i mean for the ravens
1: though i mean this is i think even though they mm-hmm. get the picks, i i love the move by them because now they have matt judon Place Campbell and Young Duckway. Mm-hmm. You have a trio of pass rushers who I don't know how they're going to play them every time they're on the field. You probably, i imagine, you can't depending on the formation they run. They may not be able to play all three of them at the same time. But it's
2: one of those things. I feel like you can never have too many edge rushers on your team. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, really good move for the Ravens. um should, should be interesting to see how he fits into that defense, as you said, with with how many pass rushers they have. So uh good trade for the Ravens, and it's going to make them. You know, the Ravens kind of, they looked at their, their season last year and they, they realized, okay, what do we need? Uh, what don't we need? And even though they may, well, still have to, well honestly, we'll have to see where their record ends up at this season. Uh, it's hard to beat 14-2 from last season, but, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, the, the Ravens, with the moves they made, uh, they're hoping to, you know, I guess care less about the regular season, but more, you know, equip themselves for the playoffs. And Yannick Ngakwe, Pat Rusher would definitely help them do that. I will say,
1: I feel like their issue is not, defending the pass because I feel like that's what mm. they were good at but their mm. issue was defending the run so uh, this move doesn't really help in that regard but it helps the team nonetheless and what he's only on contract for one more year so you can't really complain
2: Exactly, exactly um, I guess they're just trying to fig- put out a fig- figuration I guess they like but I totally agree with you they were definitely worse against the run um, last season yeah. uh, but they're 5-1 now so definitely possible they can go 14-2 again um, With that being said we're going to move on to the Browns and the Bengals uh, interesting game. It kind of went back and forth here. Um, the Browns wound up taking it late. Um, you know, I, I, this Bengals team that they seem to have a, a certain spark to them. Um, but as, as you said, they don't. They're not really in a position to win now. And I think it would be smart for the Bengals to deal their veteran players. Um, but again, like I see the spark in the Bengals. I see where they can, they're going with this. Uh, Teak Higgins has been really has has been pretty good for them. Uh, Joe Burrow has performed decent for them. You know they have they have a lot of young talent that seems to, to have some spark to this team, um, but it seems like they're not ready to win now, and they they could benefit from dealing with some veteran players if they can get picks and continuing to build on this young franchise. Um, you know we could see a possible turnaround like we did in uh, Cleveland, even though the Cleveland hasn't had a complete turnaround. They're definitely better than their own sixteen days, and I definitely could see something like that with the Bengals moving forward. On the Brown side of things, you know I think their their offense has been okay this season. Uh, Baker Mayfield has been far from good. Uh, and their defense I think has been probably one of the worst parts of this team so far. They, they consistently give up a ton of points I think week to week. Um, you know even though they won 37 to 34 with, with the way that Cleveland is set up, they should be winning games better than this and again. I think you know where, where Max said they had the most uh, the Vikings had the most talented roster um, in the NFL. I thought it was the Cleveland Browns coming into the season. I just think they have so much young talent that they could be doing so much with. Um, and they're four and two now, which is pretty good. Don't get me wrong. And but five. It, it just, five. Um, five and two. Five and two. My bad. Um, they're five and two now, and you know it's not a bad it's not a bad record. I just expect more out of this team, especially on the defensive side. I don't think I think down the stretch, the, the amount of points they're giving up per week is not gonna not gonna bode well for them. Um, you know, looking through their games so far, they got thirty eight to the Ravens, um, thirty to the Bengals earlier in the season. Uh, twenty to Washington, thirty-eight to the Cowboys, twenty-three to the Colts, thirty-eight to the Steelers, um, and now thirty-four to the Bengals again. Uh, you know, a ton of points that the other teams are putting up. Uh, I think it's going to hurt them down the stretch, especially you know they do have the occasional abysmal game on offense, like the six points against the Ravens and then seven last week to the Steelers. Um, you know, this team I feel like is pretty thin in terms of their win margin, and if they can't get it together, I think especially defensively with how many points they're giving up. Um, it's actually going to hurt them. Yeah, I mean, for the Bengals in this the game, and really the whole
1: season, if I'm a fan of them, I'd be frustrated because this is a team that's been really close. They've shown competit- competitiveness in their games, most of them, but they just don't finish it off. And it, it's not it's not a bad thing right now because they're a young team. They'll get better. They seem to gel, but it's just one of those things where you'd like to see them finish some games here once in a while, and they don't. So... You know, we. Hopefully they can get for them. They can get a clutch win, like you said. Probably better for them to heal some of their players. They're not. They're not looking to win this year, but you hope. You hope they could finish one of these teams off one of these days. So and on the brown side of things, I'm, I, I'm kind of with you where they, with your opinion, they are one of the most talented teams in the league. But it's like they they don't really put together what they should be. I was, impre- I was kind of impressed by the four game win streak they had. I was thinking, okay, maybe this team actually is legit. Then they go out and lose to the Steelers by 31 points, which shows me, wow, this team actually is not really ready to compete with the big boys in the NFL. We, I mean, it showed in Week One against the Ravens; they got blown up by almost the exact same score. And you know, it, I mean, still this team is five and two, and it's, it's a good—they're good in a decent position right now. I don't think they're—I think they the record indicates that they're overachieving a little bit, but they—that's uh, what they are, and they I mean could make the playoffs. And I will—I will say. I don't really know the rest of their schedule that well, so we'll have to see. And I and I definitely think they'd be an easy out in the wild card round, but again, they do a five wins. So I mean, until proven otherwise, this team is in the playoff race.
2: Mm-hmm. And with that being said, I, I, how bad their defense has been, and I've already mentioned Baker Mayfield, and I think he's been really. Inc- I think Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield's worst problem as a quarterback right now is the inconsistency. Right. He has games where he looks great, and then he has games where he looks absolutely terrible. I totally agree. Um, And and unfortunately, uh, due to him being so inconsistent, yesterday he threw an interception. um, And Odell Beckham Jr., obviously famous wide receiver, uh, wanted to go make a tackle on the interception and wound up hurting his knee. Uh, Comes back this morning and unfortunately a torn ACL, um, putting Odell out for the season. And the the reason I kind of forgot about this, but also I guess it doesn't matter as much, is that Odell has been honestly, minimally productive for how talented Odell is with the Browns. Um, He's never really matched that rookie season. And I think, I don't think it's necessarily Odell's fault. Um, A, I think he's not as athletic as he was before he he broke his ankle with the Giants. But I still think he has that ability to be a top-tier wide receiver in the NFL. I just don't think his situations have been good. Um, You know, him and Daniel Jones uh, wouldn't have been the greatest mix. Um, And then with Baker Mayfield, it seems that, uh, you know, he's not really getting him the ball as much. He had a little bit I think he did a little bit over three hundred yards this season, which is which is okay. But you know, Odell is Odell is definitely a receiver that could have back to back to back thousand yard uh in my opinion, uh yard seasons and just he just not has found has not found uh the correct system to do so and now he's had multiple injuries setting him back. Um it's been really tough uh to see Odell struggle like that. Um and, you know, it's kind of crazy because I remember Odell's one of those people, one of the persons that I remember seeing, like, uh, Saquon get well, and he, he commented about it. Um, and now he's the one with the torn ACL. It's just a ton of te- ACL tears this season. And it's sad to see Odell get injured again. Yeah, it's just real, It's real shame to see a guy like
1: Odell get injured like that. You know, you know in my opinion, in my years of watching NFL football, I – I think he's probably one of the more talented receivers to play the game is what I've seen. His ability to separate from the opposing receivers and catch balls, spectacular catch ability, the overall athleticism. I think there are few guys I've seen who are as complete as him from a just from a talent standpoint. Mm-hmm. But they keep like saying he just never seems to I mean at least in the past few years, hasn't really put it together at all. He, and again, what it's I don't think especially last year it's not his fault. I thought this year I thought he showed some life. It looked like he could I thought be – Especially that game against the Cowboys, it looked like he could potentially be that player that everyone thought he could be, but he just hasn't. Now, with this injury, he has he won't be able to, and it's you know stuffs to play I, think in my, I also, for all the drama he's created over the past years, part of me has always had a soft spot for him because you know if if I were if I were that good of a player, but I I'm on that bad of teams for that whole, my whole career, I'd be upset too. So I mean, it's, it was really you know. Hopefully, I was hoping for his sake that he could actually do something, you know, with one of his teams actually have a good year. Maybe hope. Maybe, this is a bit far fetched, but maybe maybe make a deep playoff run. I thought. I think the Browns have the pieces to do it, and it's a shame that he, they haven't put it together. He doesn't seem to put his own. Um, he doesn't seem to hold his own on the bargain. So, yeah, it sucks to him to get injured, but yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I mean, it's a tough situation all around.
2: Hmm. Agree. Um. So, uh, again. Uh, rest easy, uh, Odell Beckham. We hope to see you back on the field soon. Uh, with that being said, we um, went to the next game. We had the Packers versus the Texans. The Packers went thirty-five to twenty. The Packers were uh, five and one. Uh, Texas fall to one and six. Um, and on the Texas side of things, you know, I like to fight in the Texans, and I think again, I think they're a better franchise now that they got rid of Bill O'Brien. Um, I think the damage to Bill o- the, that he Bill O'Brien has done to the Texans. Um, it's not something they can fix by simply getting rid of Bill O'Brien. Um, it's something they're going to have to work on for years from now. Um, but I do like some of the fight that I see in this team. I definitely think they're a better team without him. Um, the Sean Watson, obviously, uh, you know, he's 29-39 he's for 39 passing and then 309 yards, two three touchdowns. Um, and then Randall Comp had a pretty good game for the Texans as well with 95 yards on interceptions. Um, you know, again, I think that this Texans team has to has fight in them. Obviously, the defense really is enough to par with their offense, with Deshaun Watson being there. But again, I think they have a long, a long while to go. But I think they're in the right direction. Um, that being said, on the Packers side of things, uh, this Packers team um, talked about enough, in my opinion. Uh, they've been extremely good this year. Uh, they're definitely a contender uh, for the Super Bowl at this point. For me, uh, looking at offensively, we had uh, Aaron Rodgers four touchdowns, no interceptions, a QBR of one forty one point two. Which is which is pretty incredible, but I think the story of the day here uh, for this particular game is Devontae Adams. When he is healthy, um, he is incredible. Um, this is his second game this season. He's played in four games this season, um, where he's had uh, you know roughly 200 yards uh, in game one of the of the year. He had he got 13 receptions for 200 yards and two touchdowns. Um, he was sort of injured in a game against T- Tampa Bay. He didn't put up that many yards, and the same thing for a game with Detroit. They did put up that many yards, 61-36 uh, in that order. Uh, but this game, um, and then, uh, oh, sorry, I'm, in, I'm going in the wrong order, my bad. Um, but um, to that, he had 196 yards, 13 receptions this game for two touchdowns. And then uh, game one he had uh, against the Vikings, he had 156 yards with two touchdowns and 14 receptions. Mm-hmm. Um, just goes to show that Devontae Adams, and I think uh, he's a route technician, he, he's a gritty guy, Uh, He's he's one of the top tier wide receivers in the NFL when he's healthy. You know he's up there with DeAndre Hopkins, and um, because he's been injured this year, we haven't really been able to see his full talents. Um, But he's he's pretty incredible when when he's out there and healthy. Uh, Incredible game for him. Yeah, I mean this this game is. I
1: just think it's one of those things where the better team won. It was pretty much what was going to happen. The Texans, I do think, are a little better of a team without Bill O'Brien. But I think you said the damage that he's done is it's kind of irreversible at this point and like i i said a couple of weeks ago it doesn't help that they pr- promote it from within like if they got someone else from outside the organization to kind of shake them up i think it'd be a little better but they didn't do that and to be fair i don't know that they could have done that but still it's th- this team is in a in a hole one in six uh, there's no way they can recover from that at this point in the season i mean they, so they'd be 10 and six best case scenario and, and i i just can't see them not winning or not losing another game so i yeah, it's just not going to happen for them this year. For the Packers, I continue to be how shocked. Of, I continue, I continue to be shocked about how good of a team they are because this is a team that I thought, you know, after seeing them get blown out in the NFC Championship last year, after losing to that team in the regular season, you know, Aaron Rodgers' aging, he, I thought he was declining a little last year. I thought their team had more holes than we thought, and I thought they wouldn't be that great this year. But they come out, and I think they're better than any, pretty much anyone expected. Aaron Rodgers once again looks like he's in prime form, and, and nobody really can stop him. Although the Packers, I mean the the Buccaneers, stopped him last week. He rebounded this week and showed that he still definitely has it. And i I think that I think the Packers are definitely one of the, I I think one of the top five teams in the league right now. So I mean, and like you talk about Devontae Adams, another great player. So it's it's tough to take this team down, and really no
2: surprise in this game for me. Totally agree. Um, with that being said, moving on to the next game, we had the Carolina Panthers versus the Saints. The Saints won to twenty seven to twenty four. You know, I'll start off with the Saints. Um, you know, this is the Saints team. I don't think you know going through this season. Uh, Drew Brees is obviously still a good quarterback. I just don't feel the Saints really being contender this year. Um, th- you know, they, they've had too many close games with, with teams that aren't as great. Um, you know, they're still four and two, and I still think they're a good team. I just don't see them. Uh, competing with some of those top-tier teams in the NFL like we see with the Steelers at this point, um, the Titans, the Chiefs, the Ravens. I don't really see them up there with those type of teams. Um, it's still a good team. Um, Drew Brees, again, uh, two touchdowns, two interceptions, 126.7 QBR, 287 yards. Uh, he's still he's still solid. I don't think he's necessarily the problem. I just think between the talent and I don't think it's the right situation this, this year, um, you know, defensively, they haven't been spectacular. Um, And then off, you know, Alvin Kamara, uh, another good game from him, 83 yards rushing and then 65 yards receiving. Um, You know, he's been incredible this year, and I think he's been really underrated in terms of what he's done this year. You know, he's up there with the Derrick Henrys and and with the, you know, the CMCs and uh, et cetera, et cetera. And I don't think he gets the recognition for it every single week. Everyone that knows Alvin Kamara is good, but he sometimes I think he's just sneakily good because I think you know he plays such a, a role for them in the receiving game that he's not simply a rushing. As we talked about last week, he's such a complete player um, that you may not see him be on all the highlights because you know he had he has his the way he affects the team really divvied up. Um, he's not just a pure pounding ground and pound type of guy or a receiving guy. He can really do both. Um, that being said, on, on the Panzer side of things, you know they're three and four now. But I don't think it's – that's a really good three and four. Again, they, they lost CMC. He's expected to possibly play this next Thursday. Uh, I've heard that he's kind of a long shot to do so from what I've read so far. Um, but CMC should come back soon, and Mike Davis has kind of cooled off from that really hot start he had uh, when he did take over CMC. Um, and then Teddy Bridgewater, he's been solid for them. Uh, he had two touchdowns, uh, 138.4 QB yards, zero receptions, uh, 254 yards. Uh, the Panthers team, uh, again, has surprised Uh, You know, I think their coach, Matt Rule, has has done a really good job with his Panthers team so far. And uh, if they can get the right pieces in place, um, I think the coaching and his ability to, you know, with the whole flip of the franchise in terms of getting a new quarterback and and flipping coaches, I think he's handled it very well especially with COVID. And again, I think if they can put the right pieces together, you can have a really successful uh, Carolina team right here. And then also Robbie Anderson has been great this season for the Panthers. Um, For how good he was in the Jets, I think he might be better on the Panthers. Uh, he just seems to be in a better situation here, where he's been really consistent this year and putting up a uh, really big contribution, uh, you know, for the Panthers so far this season. Um, so yeah, I think uh, you know it was a pretty good game, and the Saints nearly won it. I think he needs to do a little bit better. Uh, they yeah. need to do a little better, moving yeah, I agree
1: with you on the Saints. I don't see him as a contender this year, and I think a lot of that has to do with Drew Brees because. He's been a great quarterback, but he's just getting too far up there in age, in my opinion. I just don't think he has it like he once did. And honestly, I, one thing I will say is like, we'll wait and see. Once Michael Thomas returns, we'll see how much that affects him. But right now, it doesn't look like they're going to really contend for a title, even with Alvin Kamara doing his, his, his thing. And I think right now, I even as a Titans fan, I'd say he's probably a, the best active playing running back in the league right now. So, a great weapon them and I feel like that's gonna that's been he's been holding their offense together for the most part right now and for the Panthers I mean I I think it's kind of the same story and I agree with you I mean they're three and four right now but it, they're showing promise they've been they've been competitive in most their most of their games and even even though they're not going to do anything this year they're showing that they have it for the future they have a good foundation and you know once they. Keep um, They keep gelling, and in future years, I think this could, this could be, you know, they could return to Super Bowl
2: contention, but just not now. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Uh, so moving on from there, we had the Lions and the Falcons. Mm-hmm. Um, Honestly, not much to talk about here in terms of, I think, on the Falcons side of things. Again, they're a better team without Dan Quinn. Um, This game is really close, and I don't think the Lions are a good team either, and they basically caught the Falcons, who have had a, a pretty down season here, Uh, you know, win the game 23-22. to with that being said, this game did end, end in really good fashion in terms of uh, T.J. Hawkinson with the game-winning touchdown. And and i got to say, but here's a T.J. Hawkinson. I have him in fantasy, and he's been sneakily good this year. Um, not necessarily in terms of, you know, he's been really consistent for the Lions. Not necessarily in one aspect or another in terms of yards or touchdowns. Just being able to contribute to the team each week. Um, you know, his first two games of the season, he had 53 yards, 62 yards with no, t- uh, no touchdowns. And these past three games in a row, Atlanta, Jacksonville, and New Orleans through the uh, Lions, he's had a tough touchdown in to each game. Uh, but yesterday he had 59 yards and a touchdown, and obviously the game-winning touchdown. Uh, big play for him there. Um, the Lions went the 2-3. and three. Again, I think the Falcons are in a really good spot now because, again, they have some talent. They got rid of Dan Quinn. They're going to need some time to work, at, work it out. But on the Lions side of things, um, I think we're seeing them return to what they normally are every year, this middle-of-the-road team that doesn't seem to win anything nor have the talent to go farther than a middle of the road team. Um, it just doesn't put Detroit in a really good spot because again, we talked about a little, you know, before in the podcast where if you're a team in the middle and you don't necessarily have the right coach in place, which we're not sure about Matt Patricia, uh, you kind of get stuck in this dead zone where you're, t- you know, you you go nowhere. You don't. You're not able to rebuild because you're not because you're landing in the middle, and not getting great draft picks we also not winning anything either, so it's just it's a, it's a uh, bad place to be. Um, but again, pretty decent game yesterday, fun game to watch. Um, but again, both not great teams, so you got to take of it as you wish.
1: Yeah, honestly, I was just saying before this, the, the Falcons go to the Hall of Fame just based on how many games they've choked this year after having a a, a, a high probability to win.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very <I> mean,
1: true. <laughs> just look at look at the past two weeks. They have for the first weeks, two and three of the year. They have a 99% chance to win against the Cowboys. Lose the onside kick, completely fall apart against the Bears when they have a 99% chance. And now this where, so if you none of, if you guys didn't watch the game yesterday, I'll, I'll describe the ending. So what happened toward the end was Todd Gurley had a first down at like near the goal line and the Lions have no timeouts. And all Gurley had to do was take, take a knee where he was and... He and they Falcons could have ran it out and kicked the game-winning field goal, but he scored on the play. And I kind of feel, part of me feels so girly because he's the kind of—if you watch him in the past—he's the player who he's been known to put his, you know, his own stats aside. And in those situations, he usually takes the knee or just falls in bounds. And I could tell just based on his body language yesterday when he was diving in the end zone. I think that either he meant to or he just for, he forgot when it was too late. Because I could tell he tried to kind of he tried to slow down where he got to the goal line but he was he was over at that point anyway and the on the Falcons get ball and lost. so I mean it's it's not it's not even really Todd Gurley's fault it's the whole team's fault because how does a defense fold like that and give them a touchdown with seconds remaining I I me pers, I don't really agree that Dan Quinn is being fired it's really put him in a better, better spot as of right now like yeah they won last week but then this game they choke again and I don't know what it is for them to just do week in and week out, despite talent and a new head coach. And you know, for the Lions, I I still don't think Matt Patricia is a guy. I mean, and they also kind of choked by allowing a touchdown really late in the game when or when they were up. And honestly, this is what the Lions kind of do every year. They kind of hang around early in the year up until this point in October, and then once this point comes, they start to fall apart. And and we'll see if that happens this year, but it's happened so many years in the past. And I I don't think I don't think either team is a good team. I don't think either team is in a good spot. It's just one of those games that I, I hate to say this, but
2: unfortunately, I, I guess someone had to win it. I mean, yeah, this, this Falcons franchise needs to be cursed. Um, <laughs> the fact of games that they blow is incredible, as you said. Um, with that being said, we're gonna move on to the next game. We're gonna have the. Uh Washington football team versus the Cowboys. Uh Washington wins at twenty-five to three. Um on the Washington side of things, there's not too much to talk about other than uh they beat up a really damaged Cowboys team right now that's lost. Um you know, Kyle Allen had a pretty solid game. It's clear to me that Kyle Allen is the best quarterback on that roster at this point. Uh two touchdowns, zero interceptions, hundred nineteen QBR. You can't be mad at that. Um And then Terry McLaurin also had 90 yards receiving and a touchdown. So Terry McLaurin is definitely their wide receiver of the future. Um, I think, again, I think this Washington team is missing a lot of talent. Uh, It's interesting to see, you know, on the defensive side, I think they have a decent – they have a really talented defensive line between Deron Payne, Chase Young, um, and, you know, Montez Sweat, uh, Ryan Kerrigan. You know, I think they have a lot of good guys down on that defensive line. I think filling out that second year is going to be important for them moving forward. Um – but it shows; it goes to show, like you know, in the right situation, this team can win. They have they have a little bit of talent to build on. It's just how far can they go? Um, and before I do move off to the Washington football team and go over to the Cowboys, I just wanted to mention that Ron Rivera finishes chemotherapy today. Uh, so congrats to Ron Rivera. Um, hopefully, his cancer will remain in remission and not come back. Uh, but it's glad to know that uh, Ron Rivera is doing better uh, with his cancer. So congrats to Ron Rivera. Uh, wish him the best. Um, And then going over to the Cowboys, uh, Andy Dalton went down in this game with an injury. Um, Not that he was doing spectacular to begin with. He had an interception, 37.7 QBR. Um, And they put in Ben DiNucci, which I had never seen before. Um, I forget what college he even played for. It was college in Villanova's um, uh, conference, I think. I I forget exactly what it was. I think it was James Madison. There we go. Um, Yeah, and I've, I've never heard of this guy before, in all honesty. And he wasn't great either. He wasn't horrible. Didn't throw any interceptions, no touchdowns, 109 QBR. Um, We saw pretty limited of him. But the Cowboys are on their third-string quarterback at this point. Zeke Lottie had 45 yards rushing. Uh, Marty Cooper still did solid with 80 yards receiving, which is pretty good. Um, But uh, this Cowboys team is a mess between, I think, uh, McCarthy hasn't been the best coach we've ever seen. Um, but he's also been dealing with uh, a lot of dynamic pieces, especially with that going out and now Andy Dalton, who was a pretty solid backup. Uh, this Cowboys team was probably the favorites, I think, after week one to win the division, but it seems like they may end up in last place at this point now that they're uh, tied for third place with Washington. Yeah, honestly, I,
1: I, I think this game says a lot more about the Cowboys than Washington. You know, for Washington, you're right. They have talent and I I feel like I've I've talked about their defensive line before I believe but it's just one of those things where from the top down they're a mess with Dan Snyder so I, I feel like I expect them to lose pretty much every game they play just based off that for the Cowboys I mean I think yes they have injuries yes their starting quarterback is out for the year but I think Mike McCarthy deserves more blame than the injuries might suggest because that team just looks terrible you know even without Dak I expect them to score more than 13 points combined in two weeks, with all the offensive weapons they have, Zeke Elliott, running back, C.D. Lamb, Mari Cooper, Michael Gallup at receiver, and Dal- Dalton Schultz has even been all right at the tight end. But they just—I I don't know how they look. How they look so bad, so out of sync. And also, what there was a—I saw a tweet, or I saw some or some news, whatever. Some an anonymous player for the Cowboys came out to the media and just said, "Oh yeah, these coaches have no idea how to, how to coach. We don't know what to do. We we go out in the field, we're totally unprepared." And looking at the team's performance, I have no reason to not believe that because they just look absolutely awful. Just nothing seems to go right. And even, even like I said, even without Dak, I feel like Andy Dalton's a good enough quarterback to get them at least you know 20 points against the Cardinals defense, which isn't good, and 20 points against Washington's team, which is bad. And the fact that they don't do that is crazy. I, I think, I honestly, I'd honestly argue that, you, they should consider firing Mike McCarthy
2: even midseason, even in midway into his first year, because I think it's that bad down there. I agree. But again, when you look at that offense, the offensive line may not be what it used to be, but it's still a pretty good offensive line. Um, I mean, just the skill positions. You, like, and, yeah, obviously the skill positions is what really highlight is really the highlight there between Michael Gallup. Wilson's been pretty good for them. Uh, C.D. Lamb has been pretty good as a rookie. Amari Cooper... Uh, Zuko Elliott, Tony Pollard's were pretty good. So just the skill positions they have is, is incredible. I mean, that's, in my opinion, I think they have the best set of skill positions in the league. And for them to not even put up a touchdown against the Washington football team, that's that's not good, no matter who you have at quarterback. You yeah. um, put the ball in those guys' hands, and they should be able to do something with it. Yeah, I, I don't know how they're that bad.
1: Like, it, it's just, it's astounding that the fact that they, only, like I said, only score 13
2: points in two weeks with that amount of talent, That that's beyond un- unacceptable. Mm-hmm. and so with that being said uh, moving on from there we're going to go to the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Tennessee Titans um, you know tough loss for the Tennessee Titans here uh, the Steelers went at 27 to 24 honestly not much to talk about here other than you know Ben Roethlisberger had a pretty abysmal game with two touchdowns or interceptions which has not been the case for Ben Roethlisberger um, at all this season um, goes to show I think how Titans, how special the t- Titans are this year Um well, games. You know, every single game they put up a fight, and they've won really close games, and they've lost, and now they've lost the uh, this game. Um, again, the Steelers team is is really different to me because I don't know, you know, offensive. I don't think they've really changed, and there's a talent from last year to this year. Um, but it seems like the coaching and they've been able to to mold real, together really well. Um, and I think with Stay the all this, Yeah, yeah, exactly. All, I think all this game says is a that the Steelers have remained healthy this year, and that, B, I think Mike Tomlin is an early candidate for coach of the year, uh, taking the Steelers' team to 6-0, because I think it's pretty evident to everybody that the Steelers are by far the not-the-most-talented not, not the most talented roster in the NFL. Um, you know, they're still a great roster, don't get me wrong. That defense is incredible. Um, and offensively, they have some weapons between Juju James Conner. Um, but I think they've gone above even what their talent has said, and I think it's uh, the coaching of Mike Tomlin. And every week that goes by, I think Max had mentioned it last week. It becomes more and more obvious that uh, the problems with the Steelers uh, were probably Levy at the combination of Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. Uh, in terms of their, their probably the unfocused they led into in the locker room, despite the talent they may have added, uh, you know the, the the drama queens that they they have been throughout their careers. And I'd say it's more Antonio Brown at this point than Levy Bell. But. Um, I probably drew away from the ability that the Steelers could have had. Uh, Mike Tomlin, great coach. On the Titans side of things, I, again, I think they're really good. Um, I think they're Super Bowl contenders for me. Uh, this just a tough matchup. You know, Steelers are arguably the best team in the league now. It's been their record and how they've been playing so far. So I'm a Titans fan. I can't be too mad at this loss.
1: I have uh, quite a bit to say about this game, and I'll say a bunch of this on the Titan universe. At least I'll try within the minute I have, but I'll try. I'll say as much as I need to right here. So, for the Titans side of things, I'm going to start talking. The first half, complete domination by the Steelers. We looked horrible. We we went down to we went to the locker room down 24-7, and the glaring weakness for the Titans in in at least especially in the first half, third down defense. Wow, what a train wreck! I mean, it's been it's been bad all year, but this now I've been talking about. I think a little bit. I've at least talked about it on my own sports blogs that I that I write. But I, I, it's been a problem all year, and it just got it just was more emphasized because we lost the game yesterday. It, it, Steelers were, I believe, seventy two percent on third down offense, which is horrible for the Titans' defense. And it wasn't like they were getting like third and one, third and two, third and five, whatever. They were converting some. Big plays, especially in the first half, like third and eleven, third and fourteen, wide open passes. It's unacceptable for that defense to play like that. And I, I mean, it's like I said, it's been a problem all year. But now I think we're realizing, and it's gonna. I think that there was a humbling experience for us, you know, to lose this game, like with the way we played in the first half. And I will say, the fight that this team showed in the second half was admirable because we were down really big. Most teams would be out, but the fact that we came back we made it a game we show every week the fight we have right is probably one of the best in the nfl and i think that's why we're a contender at this point we're still a really great team i think but we got to fix that i mean it also would be nice to fix you know the the offense a little bit i mean you don't want not the offense is still doing fine but we got dominated by the steelers in the first half their defense was solid you might it's. I, mean, I think um, Taylor Lewand being out for the year with the torn ACL. I think that was really noticeable in this game. Uh, C.J. Watt had a really great game, and Tyson Brylow just couldn't block him. And Derek Henry wasn't doing well for the while, but as he normally does, he gets better as the game goes on. So, I mean, if anything in the game, I'm encouraged by the fight. I'm, I'm actually. I'm far from discouraged. I still think we have a really good team. We'll make the playoffs for sure. I'm. I. I wouldn't say the. Probably most likely going to win the AFC South. I struggled to count the Colts out just yet because they're only one game back from us. But realistically, we're going to win that division. So I'm really, really not mad. It sucked to lose the way we did, just off a of missed field goal. But it, it is what it is. We 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 are still a good team, so I'm not going to complain too much. For, for the Steelers side of things, I mean, this like you said, Nick, it's it's a team that. Is not as talented as what their record indicates, but they play well every every week. That defense is still un, unbelievable, with, even without Devin Bush. And the offense is certainly capable. If you put them against a defense like the Titans, who couldn't stop them on third down, you're going to have a good team. And good team. And like, and I've I've talked about in the past. Yeah, you know, I I thought Mike Tallman was was not was getting exposed back in 2018. I was kind of saying that until a lot of last year, but until I realized. In the end, like I like I said last week, and I'll say it again, it's it was really um, Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown really me- messing things up for them. That's probably the big reason they were so bad. And that that um, take by me aged horribly. I think Mike Tallman is one of the best coaches in the league, and he's showing that. But I will also say one more thing about the Titans, and then I'm done. I think the one reason we were in this game until the very end was a turnover differential, and that just and that still goes to show how disciplined we are. We had. Zero so turnovers on the day, and they they committed three. And I think at the end of the day, that's that was the biggest difference of the game. That's why the game ultimately
2: did not get away from us. Um, definitely, yeah. Um, so moving on from there, we had the Buccaneers and Raiders. Honestly, not much to talk about here. But other than the Raiders are a solid team, but it seems like the Buccaneers are getting better and better. Um, every week hitting a little bit of slump. Um, going through, I guess. Mid-season of what we've had so far the Mid-season to the mid-season um, But again, they're picking uh, Gronk um, is getting better For the Bucks. he's becoming more Part, part of the offense um, See a little bit more of the old Gronk uh, Two consecutive weeks with touchdowns now uh, Scotty Mueller did really well for the Buccaneers Yesterday um, Had a really good game um, Which is a little bit on it, I guess, with All the inconsistencies, I guess, in terms of injuries They've had with like, Chris Godwin um, I guess Brady's been working on other receivers on uh, the Raiders side of things, you know, again, not much to talk about. I think the Buccaneers were just a better team here. Uh, the Buccaneers' defense is pretty solid, and they were the better team that came out on top. Yeah, I, at the beginning of the year, I said, and I
1: think I said to you, Nick, I was picking the Saints to win the NFC South. I think at this point I've officially changed my mind. I think it's going to be the Bucs now, and I still think probably the main catalyst for them right now, maybe not the main, but the, I think their defense is still one of the best units in the league. I think they've got a little bit of everything. They showed against the Packers, and they— they gave up 20 points yesterday, but they were still making plays. And that offense, Tom Brady's not what he used to be. Far from it, but it's way more than enough with the talented weapons he has. And looks like Gronk starting to um, get back in his groove, which is which is great for them to see. You know, for the Raiders, I was a little surprised that I thought they played a Buccaneers stuff. I think they I thought they were a tough team. Not the, far from the most talented, but they seems they kind of play with the swa- swagger that not. A lot of teams have, you know, they, they beat the Chiefs and it kind of showed me this team actually could contend for the playoffs. And then they actually they got blown out by 25 points on their home field, and you know they could still come back. But I was a little surprised. Probably the quarterback controversy they have um, played played into this defeat. And I I, I still definitely pick the Buccaneers' swim because I thought with the defense like they have against a team with a not a great O line and a quarterback who they don't really trust. And I, I don't think that he's going to work out at this point. I thought that would be the main difference maker. thought it would be a little closer, but nonetheless, Bucks won, so that's, I expected that in the end.
2: Mm-hmm. And that being said, we're going to move to the next game, the Chiefs versus the Broncos. Um, this game was kind of interesting. It was our first snow game of the year, technically. It um, uh, wasn't too much snow, it wasn't completely snow out, but there was definitely a significant amount of snow where you could see on the field. And I think it may have affected uh, Mahomes and Drew Locke's passing game um, you know, Mahomes is going to do what Mahomes does, but, you know, Mahomes had 200 yards for one touchdown with no interceptions, um, which I think the end of the quarterback is an okay game, right? Uh, one touchdown, around QBR. Uh, 200 yards is a solid game. As we know, Patrick Mahomes he is not talented. not his greatest game. Um, and, it, you know, on the ground, the Chiefs weren't spectacular either. Um, uh, their leading rusher was Hilaire with 46 yards and a touchdown. Um, but what really shined for this Chiefs team, I think, throughout this game was their defense. Um, we saw Drew Locks with uh, two interceptions um, and just multiple, multiple takeaways and stops. Um, even though the Broncos put up a fighter, on uh, quickly became out of hand due to the Chiefs defense, which um, is not something we typically see out of the Chiefs, right? We always the offense, the offense, the offense. Uh, but the, the defense led the way this week. Um, final score is forty-three to sixteen. Didn't mention that, but uh, you know, really, really good game to see. I think if you're Kansas City, th- in terms of what happens if our offense doesn't perform? What happens if they they lack one week, right? Because they've been, they've been so reliant on them putting up so many points. Um, well, now your defense can perform um, at least you know against a I think I'd say a mediocre team. Uh, the Broncos are not spectacular, but I don't think one, they're the worst team in the league either. So, uh, pretty I'd say uh, good looking game for the if I'm a Chiefs fan. Uh, Chiefs are six and one. The Broncos are now two and four.
1: Yeah, I mean I thought. Yeah like you like you said the defense was the main difference for the Chiefs in this game surprisingly i i thought since the beginning of the year that the beginning of the year that that defense was a little better than people say didn't expect them to be that good cuz they like you said they were the main difference yesterday the broncos i was honestly a little surprised how sloppy they were even with the weather and the injuries they had they just looked out of sync especially that one turnover when melvin gordon missed the the pitch to drew lock i mean that's just careless stuff you practice you, you practice that stuff grant like all the time and the fact that you can't execute that in the middle of the game i just hey that's shaking my head at that and it just wasn't it wasn't just that it was a lot of stuff even giving up a kickoff return it just seemed just like like a basic lack of fundamentals so i don't know i i, I feel like it was probably a, a one-time bad performance i mean who knows if it was it just i just i wouldn't expect the broncos to play like that again i just thought they i just thought they looked just out of it For whatever reason
2: mm-hmm. Yep I totally agree um, So moving on from there We had the, the 49ers And the Patriots um, The 49ers blow out The Patriots 33-6 2-4 uh, The 49 are 4-3 now um, You know Pretty bad blowout For the Patriots And it seems like I think Patriots fans And common, you know, commentators Across the sports world Alike are starting to Question the Patriots And what they can do This season uh, Cam Newton Cr. Uh, sorry, ninety-eight yards, three interceptions, very abysmal. Um, Forty-six QBR. Then they b- go put it go ahead and put in Jared Sidham Late, uh, Jared Sittlem had sixty-four yards with an interception. Uh, you know, Patriots as a whole yesterday passing had no touchdowns, four interceptions. That is abysmal. Um, this is probably one of the worst games I think I honestly the worst game I've ever seen the Patriots play. Um, and I don't know whether I, I put on Bill Belichick and not be able to coach, or just uh, COVID, you know, has struck the Patriots decently bad in terms of, you know, they've had, again, they've had the talents out from the beginning with opt-outs, but now they've had, um, you know, players like James White come in and out because his family died and had um, a family passing with in a car accident. Um, players who've gotten COVID like him noon have been in and out. Uh, the team, I guess, is just kind of a mess from a, from a roster-wise, and it's just... It's an abysmal game by the Patriots. I have never seen them play that bad. I don't know what the immediate solution is. Obviously, you know, long-term, Bill Belichick's going to retire and they're going to have to rebuild at some point. Um, but short-term, if they want to remain competitive, they need to do something. And again, as we talked about earlier, with, or I did, uh, about the Bengals you know, you know putting up better play- players uh, on the block, supposedly. Uh, Patriots could easily be one of those teams that looks to acquire somebody to get a quick fix. Um AJ Green would, would give the Patriots, I think, a little boost on wide receiver side. You know, they could get somebody on the defensive side. Uh they need to do something quick. It's two and four in a game like that's pretty bad. Um, especially with the 49ers still being slightly injured riddle. They're getting back to what is considered normal. Uh, obviously, they lost Raheem Mostert last week. Um they lost Igboza like out for the year. um uh, starting at pieces pieces back, pieces back. Jimmy is looking better. Um, even though Jimmy Garoppolo two interceptions, um, you know I think better in terms of health. Um, you know this Forty Nine ers team is still injury riddled. I mean Jeffrey Wilson had an incredible game yesterday, um, filling in for Raheem Mostert. It's um, one hundred twelve yards with three touchdowns, but Wilson went down with a, with an injury. Um, this, in terms of running game, you know, I guess Derek McKinnon and, and Hasty are are their their go twos. Or, again, the 49ers still pretty injury-riddled. Uh, pretty bad blowout. Brent now, you had 115 yards, so uh, Fred Warner had a good game for the 49ers, I remember. Um, you know, the 49ers still piecing it together, but again, terrible blowout for the Patriots. Yeah, I'm not going to talk much about the 49ers here because they really
1: didn't need a whole lot with how bad the Patriots were. And I, I would honestly agree with you. I don't remember ever watching a game where the Patriots just looked that bad, that overmatched. And... The question I have is, did they run out of gas? Because we saw in the first four weeks, beat the Dolphins, um, you know, almost, come oh so close to beating the Seahawks on the road, uh, beat up the Raiders by a good score, and then keep with the Chiefs for a while. And a lot of us in those four games start to believe maybe the Patriots actually can hang around. I was thinking they actually might make the playoffs just based off the way they play football. But are they now... Did they use everything they had in those four weeks? I mean, it might be kind of, kind of a ridiculous question, but that's kind of the only thing I can think of that I could explain for why they've been so bad recently. Like, I thought coming into this week that, you know, last week I thought was a fluke because, you know, COVID, they're not a talented roster, and, you know, they're looking to gel a little bit. I thought they would come back, look much better this week, not at all. And I just think, you know, did can they just not play anymore? Because we because like you said in the in the um, preseason they looking at them from a talent standpoint they are a really bad team they didn't look like it early on but now they do so i don't know did they do they use all their juice i don't, i don't
2: know what it is yeah i totally agree like early on in the season a typical response for me is always it's the patriots you could never count them out they were competitive in their losses against good teams um But again, as I said, I've never seen the Patriots get blown out by a team that badly and look so, as you said, overmatched. On top of the fact that the 49ers are far from the best team in the NFL right now with how many injuries they've had. Um, I don't know if it's the same Patriots team that you you consistently said throughout the past decade, where it's, no matter where they are in the season, don't count them out. They're the Patriots. I just don't know if they're that same Patriots team um, with the situation that they're in. Yeah, I don't know what
1: to say. I mean, I
2: don't think it's I mean, I don't think it's Belichick. I don't think a guy like
1: that would coach would be would have his team be that unprepared. It just maybe the way the team
2: is. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know what the Patriots are doing, but they need to fix it quick. Uh, if anybody can do it, it is Bill Belichick. But we'll have to see where they end up going from here. Um, with that being said, we have the next game. We had the Jacksonville Jaguars versus the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, Chargers went in 39 and 29. Chargers moved two and four. Jaguars are one and six. Uh, not much to talk about the Jaguars here. Uh, Gardner Minshew had an okay game, with two touchdowns, no interceptions, one hundred two point four QBR. Um, Who's been spectacular this season, honestly, for the Jaguars, especially considering their offensive line and how bad that ro- fresh franchise and roster is as a whole. Uh, James Robinson has been, I think, James Robinson, I think, has probably been their best player uh, so far throughout the season. With Gardner Minshew being a, I'd say, somewhat of a close second. I don't even know uh but you know he's he's really been there diamond in the rough um and uh I, I think that again the Jaguars are still an abysmal franchise they have a lot more to do and they're one and six for a reason uh but on the Chargers side of things where i think there's a lot more to talk about here uh justin herbert 350 yards three touchdowns zero interceptions 120 uh qbr uh justin herbert has been spectacular this season in my opinion for situation that he stepped into where it's you have a transitioning chargers team um who didn't start him off the bat you had tyron tyra taylor he long punctured unfortunately um hope he is recovering still um hope he's doing well um with that being said justin herbert you know they once they stepped him up to starter i think he's performed very well for a rookie quarterback so far um and to me he's been the best rookie quarterback uh, out have his class so far with joe burrow th- i'd say in second um wasn't expected by me. I, I didn't believe in Justin Herbert uh, to do this well this early. I th- thought he had a lot of work to do once he moved to the NFL. Um, looking at his game in Oregon, he was very talented, um, could win games, could play. I had no doubt about that. I just figured he have to adjust a little bit to the NFL in terms of kind of every pass he threw at Oregon was a bullet. Um, and he, he seemed like he had too easy of a job in terms of at college football, like, the throws he probably wouldn't get away with in, in NFL, um, but it seems like he did put work off and in, in in the offseason. He's adjusted quite well to the NFL so far. Uh, don't get me wrong, not perfect, uh, but very, very good so far for the Chargers. When I'm a Chargers fan. I am very excited about Justin Herbert and what his future holds.
1: Yeah, I completely agree, and I also was talking about in the... I'm coming into the draft. I thought Herbert, I, I thought he was going to be the, mo- the best quarterback in the draft class, and look what it's turning out now. He looks so... He looks so good, and you know, throw like like you said, had a great game yesterday, showing a lot of competitiveness. And that's what you really want to see—guys can be competitive in the NFL and put up good stats. That's what you—that's really much what you depend on right now. And he's doing just that. I, like like you said, if I'm a Chargers fan, I think the future is so bright with what Herbert has shown. So, yeah, I I I have nothing more to say there. And for the Jaguars, like you said, not a good team. Garnettman, despite his good performances, not not the guy moving forward. They needed try to get Trevor Lawrence or a quarterback because you know it, it's one of those things where Minch was like,
2: he could be good, but he, we don't know. He don't, you don't want to wait on that. Yeah, I 100% agree. If the Jaguars do wind up with the first pick, I think whoever gets a top three pick in this year's draft, um, first place, whoever, whoever gets the first pick should go Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, um, He's that type of quarterback where whatever quarterback you have, if you're in last place, he's not good enough, obviously, and Trevor Lawrence is probably better than him. Um, If you're 2 or 3, you should try and trade to get up to the first pick to get Trevor Lawrence. Pretty much the Trevor Lawrence uh, sweepstakes at this point. It should be interesting to see what team gets him. For me, it's between the Giants, uh, the Jets, and the Jaguars, but we'll see how the season ends. Um, With that being said, we had our final game that was actually played of the week. We had the Cardinals and Seahawks game, and let me tell you, this game was uh, very, very good. Uh, In my opinion, the best game we've had of the NFL season so far. Um... You know, through the first half of the game it seems like the Seahawks are really controlling things. Uh, they go into halftime up 27 to 17. Um, it seems like they had a decent control in the game. Uh, the Cardinals come back and they score seven. Um, we're looking at 24 to 27. Uh, um the, C- the Seahawks put up seven after that. I, I you know there's not that much time left in the game. Um I actually turned it off to be honest with you. I thought it was over. I'm like the Seahawks have, have the lead in the late game, and I'm pretty sure they got some under control. Um, I got a text from my friend who I was playing in Fantasy this week. He has Kyler Murray. I have Russell Wilson. Um, he's like, you better turn that game back on. And I look, and it's it's going to overtime. And I was like, what just happened? Uh, Kyler Murray had an explosion last night. Um, picked apart the C- uh, Seattle's defense, um, you know, especially late. Uh, 360 yards, uh, three touchdowns, one interception for 112 QBR. As well as rushing it, 67 yards on the ground. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins had an incredible 103 yards, one touchdown. Um, that being said, uh, you know, finishing what happening going into the game, they went to overtime. Gatto wins the toss. Uh, they get they get stopped. They punt it. Uh, the Cardinals drive down the field. They kick a field goal. Uh, they call it, the Cardinals wind up calling a timeout. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury winds up calling a timeout on the Cardinals themselves. Uh, their kicker nails the kick. Uh, obviously, you call timeout right before the kick happened. Retakes the kick, misses wide left. Seattle gets the ball back. Uh, Seattle starts to drive down the field. Uh, Isaiah Simmons, who was inside at the time, uh, he plays he strictly plays I don't say strictly, but uh, the Cardinals are using him a lot at middle linebacker, which is not really the position he played in college. He was more of a outside linebacker slash strong safety, um, slash, you know slash safety. Uh, position he was one of those players that could play everywhere, um, but he was he was lined up at the line of scrimmage. He he darts back. It seems like Russell Wilson wants to throw a ball up the seam. Uh Zay Simmons, I guess you can't really, uh, I guess prepare for his speed and size. The guy's six four and is incredibly fast. G- comes back, picks it off, um, and from there the the Cardinals drive down the field and wind up kicking a field goal for the win. Uh pretty incredible game. And overtime, I believe they kicked that that game winning field goal with like thirty seconds left in the clock in overtime. Uh, really, really incredible game. I don't think we... You know, this year we've had some pretty incredible games, especially like those late-night Sunday football games where everyone's watching. Uh, really, really good game. Um, uh, overall, I talked about the chart, the Cardinals. On the Seahawks' side of things, um, Chris Carson did go down with injury. Uh, I think it came back today that his MRI revealed a ankle sprain, and he's going to be out from... I think it's a week-to-week thing. It's not something he's going to be out for the season or a significant amount of time with. Um... And then Russell Wilson, a quarterback, uh, had probably his worst game of the year, which is, you know, something interesting to say because lo- looking at his stats, right, he had 388 yards, three touchdowns, three interceptions. Um, you know, three interceptions is not, not great. Three touchdowns is solid. Uh, 92.4 QBR. Had a really solid game, but uh, definitely one of his worst games of the year, which is interesting because it was on home turf. Um, you know, Russell Wilson still having a solid game there, uh, but I think – which was which is pretty incredible. Um, oh, not to, forgot to mention this. Um, I believe it was in overtime uh, when Seattle was driving down the the field. Um, they threw a screen pass to DK Metcalf, which went for a touchdown. Everyone thought the game was yeah. over. Little behold, little behold. I forget which wide receiver it was. I think it was Moore. Wind up holding one of the corners, and it got called back for holding. And then the the Russell Wilson wound up having to. Um, uh, I, forget, I can't forget if that was on the, the drive where he threw the interception or was, was the one where they punted. I think it was the interception. I don't remember. I, I don't remember. I think it was the interception. I think it was the interception. Um, but, yeah, um, but that being said, uh, really interesting game here. It was actually in my my fantasy league. Uh, two of my friends were tied going into this game. Uh, one had DK Metcalf. One had Tyler Lockett. Oh. They were pretty much tied going into this game. And I was like, I'm like, who's going to win this? You know, I think everyone going into that, if you had to guess, you probably would have said deep, the one with DK Metcalf. Uh, but Tyler Lockett absolutely exploded uh, yesterday—the um, best game I think we've seen from a wide receiver this year. Um, and he's just such a—he's such a speedy receiver. Um, he, he's such a possession catch receiver. He, he goes up and he, he'll snag balls left and right, um, which is perfect for the way that Russell Wilson likes to play. He likes to throw those those deep hanging those those hanging deep balls, uh, which Tyler Lockett likes to find t- pockets of space in. Um, he threw a really nice throw yesterday. Russell Wilson, I think, threw like a 30, 40-yard throw uh, up the seam. Uh, Kind of aired it out uh, perfectly, dropped into the hands of a diving Tyler Lockett in the end zone. Uh, Tyler Lockett finishes with 15 receptions, 200 yards, and three touchdowns, which ended in like 50-something points in fantasy, which is incredible. Where DK Metcalf um, was held to two receptions on 17 yards, where I think he only had one reception through uh, regular time of that game. Uh, DK Metcalf, for all types of purposes, got locked down that game. And I think that, that Cardinals secondary is really talented, which I don't think people will give a talent for. Between Isaiah Simmons, uh, Patrick Peterson, Buddha Baker, um, a lot of good talent on the defense uh, beyond even Cardinals offense, which, again, has like Larry Fitzgerald, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Kyler Murray. Uh, again, really great game yesterday. I, I have so much to say about it. So uh, I'll hand it over to Max. What do you think, Max? Yeah, I mean, this game, I thought, features a little bit of everything. There was offense, which
1: I think all of us expect coming into this game. You know, you have two teams with great offenses, but not really great defenses. But also, you had some defensive stops. You had some plays, um, you know, the Seahawks. Well, actually, one play you didn't mention I will talk about was the play when Buda, Buda Baker got the interception. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. The yes. kept... Matt Metcalf kept running all the way down the field and caught up to him. Everybody was everyone was going crazy about that, right, Nine right, yards. Right, rightfully so. It was a great play by Matt Calf. Mm-hmm. No I mean, if you did, if you didn't know, he was a, like a six like how, how tall is he? Like six, six three, three, I think. Yeah. Six, yeah, you don't know six three guy can be that fast. Well, he is. He one of the fastest guys in the league, and he caught up with um, Buda, Buda Baker, which was a great play. But, all, but even then, after that sequence, the Cardinals were stopped at the goal line, which was exciting. And there's a lot of. And then the interception and overtime. There's a lot of stuff that happened in this game. It seemed like you did. You really didn't know which way it was going to go um, every time the team stepped onto the field. So, yeah, cr- crazy game there. And also, one thing I will correct you on: the game was in Arizona. I thought you said it was on the Seahawks' home. Oh, my bad, my bad. Yeah, it was in Arizona. But yeah, that was a that was a. One of the best Sunday night games, which is interesting, which is interesting to say because pretty much all these Sunday night games except the one last week have been pretty good games.
2: I don't know how I messed that up because like I, I remember watching yesterday. Did I not see the Cardinals logo? I don't understand. <laughs> I, don't, I remember yeah. from last night. Um, I think one of the announcers had said it was it was on home turf, and I guess he messed up too. So that's why it was in my head. I have no idea. Um, so I guess that's what I made that mistake. But yeah, pretty incredible game, and I think you know in terms of DK Metcalf. Uh, he just seems like such a good team guy. I think him and Russell Wilson have such a good relationship, A. And, you, you know, when you look at it, right, he has the game where he doesn't do as well. He doesn't get as many targets, uh, but he still makes an incredible impact on that team. A high-effort play where it gives it, you know, where it may not be the, make the biggest difference because the Cardinals still get the ball on, like, the 5, 10-yard line. Um, But the, that high-effort play, I think, energizes the team a lot. It's like, okay, we made a mistake. This guy busted his butt for us to, to limit that mistake, we got to do the same for him, and it just creates like a, a team camaraderie. So it's like – it's incredible to me that I think DK Mecca fell to the third round of – I forget what year he was drafting. Second round. Second. second round, second round, where it, he had all the intangibles to be a first-round draft pick, and he kind of fell to the second round because people were iffy on his route running. Right, yeah, that was um, the
1: main – which is unfor- – not unfortunately, but it's like one of the – one of if not the most important um, category for a wide receiver.
2: And that's, and that's pretty much only his weakness at this point in, in the NFL – it seems like he's continually working on that he's getting better and better at it right. um, but you know he's been an incredible player for the Seahawks I don't think they could have asked for anything more of him um, you know he gets like uh, Calvin Johnson comparisons and I honestly don't blame him you know I don't think he's as talented or maybe doesn't have the exact measurables as Calvin Johnson but I definitely see the comparable um, if yeah. he continues to progress as well as he's done in the NFL he's going to be uh, Calvin Johnson like one day yeah, absolutely he's a great player um, with that being said, uh, that is the, all the games for the week that were played already. Um, also, the, the Seahawks moved to five one as their first loss, and the Cardinals moved to five and two. Again, I said the Cardinals are going to be a good team this year, and I think they 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 you know they had a hiccup, but I think they've performed really well. If you be a team like the Seahawks, were arguably the hottest team in the NFL up into this game, um, you, you can't you got to celebrate that uh, really great game. Um, can't say enough about that one. Uh, so tonight, uh, we're recording this. It is now five o'clock on Monday. The game starts at eight fifteen. Uh, we have the Bears and the Rams. Um, I'm gonna go with the Rams for this one. I just like uh, McVeigh and that offense better, and I can never count out Aaron Donald. Uh, Nick Foles has done pretty well for the Bears, but I think you know Nick Foles uh, once he once he faces somebody like Aaron Donald, uh, it's gonna be tough for him. So I'm gonna go with the Rams here and probably a narrow victory. Yeah, I'm gonna
1: go with the Rams as well. I think it's a close, low-scoring game. I just will go with them. I like, like you said, I like their offense. I think they're more of a dynamic team than people people give them credit for it. I, I didn't. Going into, although their schedule has not been the toughest, but they they are four and two. I, I think they're gonna get. You know, the Bears' defense is good. The Bears' offense, I don't think is really gonna do much. I also think it's one of those things where, even though the Bears are five one, I still am gonna say they're not quite wor- they're not quite worth that record. That I don't believe. So I think it's one of those things where the Rams are going to come back and rebound from last week's game. The um, Bears are due for a loss. I think the Rams just get the victory, but it could go either way.
2: Um, Yes, and with that being said, that concludes the NFL. Um, Max, do you have anything for the NHL? Oh, yeah. We got quite, quite some stuff today. Here we go. So
1: – I, so, like I said, the past two weeks, but I, I did get to the free agency signs today. I will talk about those first. But another piece of news before that, I'm going to talk about pretty important. If you follow hockey, Chicago Blackhawks last week. I can't remember what day exactly, but they sent out a formal letter to their season ticket holders and fan base that they were going to officially start rebuilding their roster. Um, I think this decision. It's a little weird that it's coming out now because they made they missed the playoffs for the first time in a while two years ago. In the actually, well. I guess two or three years ago. It was in the 2017-18 season when they missed the playoffs for the first time in a while. Um, I would have expected that decision to come out in the no later than the 2018-19 season just based on the way the team was trending since they got swept by the National Predators in the playoffs in 2017. But even then, I, I think it's start to finally, you know, better late than never, start your rebuild because I don't think they're going to win any more Cups with their current core. I mean, it's a little, I guess, it's a little even weirder that they've now, based out that they won their qualifying round series, but anyway, I think they're done competing with the top teams in the league. It's a good start now. I don't know who they're really going to trade as of right now because I don't know for sure, but I heard a rumor that can and Jonathan Taves, oh, their two best players, I think. Maybe not now, but like Patrick Kane and Priscillas. Anyway, two of their best players, two of the best players of the core in the past, are not going to be traded. They expect to stay. Uh, they're never going to. They're never going to get anything for Duncan Keith or Brent Seabrook. In my opinion, those contracts are just too terrible for anyone to pick up. Uh, the rest of the roster, I think, is either too young and valuable that they need to hang on to, to the, for the future, and the rest is just not going to get any re- real value for So I don't know what they're really going to do to, you know, start start this rebuild. I think part of the reason, part of the start, could have been letting Corey Crawford go in free agency and going with a lackluster goaltender tandem of Colin Delia and Malcolm Subban, I don't really know what their plan is um, moving forward, unless besides just losing a bunch of games. But, you know, nonetheless, I do think the idea of a rebuild makes sense. I think it's a good decision. Again, too late for me, but better late than never. It's a good thing they finally started it. All right, now, I'm going to start talking about the free agency signings. Obviously, I'm not going to go over all of them. They're just too many, and not, and especially this year, there are not a whole lot of you know big deals to talk about. But, some of the bigger ones, some of the bigger names I'm going to talk about. So I'm going to start right now. And also I'm going to talk about toward the end. You, I did this. Um, usually I do this. I started it last year on my blog and I talked about it now. I, I, did think last year, what it was best free VHC signings, worst signings. And then if so this year is a little um, more different because there, there were some great deals. I'm, I'm of course going to talk about some of the bigger deals. There were not really too many bad signings besides one that I thought was bad, so I'm not gonna categorize them like I did, like I intended to. But I'm gonna talk about um, signings. I a bunch of these signings. So here we go. So I'm gonna talk about first Braden Holtby to the Vancouver Canucks on a two-year deal at a 4.3 million dollar annual average value. I think right now this is a steal by the Van- by the Canucks. You know, although Holtby was not that good last year, it was probably one of his worst years as starting goaltender. He's still a proven player. He's won a best in a trophy before. There have been years where he's been considered uh, the best goaltender in the league. And it's, it's a low-risk deal. Um, and this also gives time for Thatcher Demko to um, improve, to really develop before he's officially ready to, um, to actually be a, a starter. And also it's worked out for the Canucks because they didn't sign him to any clauses or anything like that. It might assign him to a no trade thing, but they were just there was no full no movement clause, so they can expose him in the expansion draft next year, and if they want to, so there's really is a no lose situation for the Canucks. You know, it's only two years, it's also low price, so I mean, good, good for them. Next one, I'm going to talk about Jacob Markstrom to the Flames at a six year deal at six million dollars per. Um, this is an interesting one to me because. I thought David David Riddick was going to be their starting netminder moving forward. But, but um, as they show in the playoffs, and now they clearly show it, they never really have had full trust in him to be the main guy. And now they brought in Markstrom, and it's just one of those things where if you have an opportunity to sign someone and you think that could be your guy and you're not confident in the one that you really have, there's no reason to wait and for him to, to hopefully pan out. Because if you've got a guy you think will... Might as well take that, and I think they could potentially use Riddick as a trade asset to a team that wants a young goaltender that maybe could prove to be the starter. So anyway, I think um, I I like the idea of the move. I respect it by the Flames, you know, taking a shot and not waiting on the guy they have to pan out, especially when they don't know for sure if it'll happen. The deal itself, I think, is a little iffy because I thought uh, I never really respected Markstrom as a starting caliber goaltender until last year. Although he was really, really good last year. If he plays like he did moving forward for the Flames, I think it's going to be a really good contract. But, you know, we'll have to see if he can sustain that performance. You know, one thing I will say, the Flames have never really had a guy they trusted since Mika Kiprasov back in the day. So, you know, we'll see if this finally is the is the guy that really gets them over the hump and really who they can depend on. But, you know, I respect them taking a shot. You know, if you haven't had anything for a long time, you might, you might as well go for it. So can't criticize the flames too hard for this one next one i didn't wasn't sure if i was going to talk about it at i decided to anyway tj brody to the maple leafs had a four-year deal at a five million dollar annual average value this is i don't think it's a bad deal or not it's not really great i don't think i think brody's a good but not a great defenseman you know it fills a need for the maple leafs but you considering they had tyson berry last year i don't know how much better this makes them you know although tyson berry wasn't good last year so if Brody's is a good player, this actually could make him better. But I don't think, I don't, I don't think anyone considers Brody as a type of player that could really elevate a franchise. Although that's that's not what the Maple Leafs need. They really just need to shore up their depth in areas. So I think it's a decent deal. We'll see how much better it makes them. May not make them much better at all. But who knows? I mean, at the, at the very least, it fills the positional need for them. So next one, Tory crew to the Blues at a seven-year deal worth six point five million per year. I actually like this deal a lot for the Blues. You know they. They lost Alex Petrangelo in free agency, who I'm going to talk about soon, and they they were looking like they weren't going to fill his void, but they got Krug to replace them, and I think it's a good move by them. I, I, Krug is not as good as Petrangelo because he I do I think he struggles defensively at times, but he is no slouch at all. He's I think he's a really good player, and at a cheap at a cheaper rate, six point five million per year. I I I thought he was going to make more than that. You know, a, a player that good going to free agency, I thought he was going to de- demand at least $8 million per year, but he ended up getting less than that. So I, I, think, I think this is one of the top three signings in free agency so far. Really good job um, by Doug Armstrong in the Blues front office there. Um, next, Taylor Hall to the Sabres on a one year, $8 million deal. This is a very interesting contract. It's shocking because I thought most people thought, and I thought Taylor Hall said that he wanted to go to a team that could really contend for a cup, but he didn't do that at all. But I actually respect the deal a lot for both sides, and I'll tell you why. The Sabers you know, mad respect for them for actually taking a shot in free agency at a at a guy who could help Jack Eichel, and also the fact that it's, it's such a low risk low risk deal. I mean, it makes perfect sense for them and for Hall i have to say it i think this is not a bad move by him you're he's taking a prove it deal to show that or hopefully show that last year his um decline a little bit was a fluke hopefully he's he's betting on himself they so can get more money long term next year but you know say this actually works out um michael and paul mesh together and they actually have something in buffalo this could really help their future a lot you know i don't i don't and say they're going to make the playoffs because a team like that's always just been so bad from the top down, and but I think they could realistically do it because I thought last year big reason for them being as bad as they were with the injuries they suffered. I think had they stayed fully healthy or at least close to it, they would have made um, the bubble in Toronto. But now you, with a healthy roster, and now you put Taylor Hall. Don't be shocked if they make the playoffs. It's it's a hot take. I, I acknowledge, but. You never know. It could work out. I mean, if this works out for the Sabres, they, they, they are not – I don't to say set, but they that's a much better situation than they had. I, mean, I think for both sides, I think what they could gain from this, it's huge. And I don't see really a losing situation. If this doesn't work out, one year, move on. I think – I love it. So next deal, Tyler Toffoli to the Canadians at a four-year deal at $4.25 million year i i actually like this deal a lot also the canadians had made some questionable moves prior to this but i think this one's really solid um he's Tofoli's not a star player or anyone that you can consistently put on your top line but at the very least he's a guy who's typically always going to score um 40 plus points per year and at age 27 i feel like his best days could be in front of them which is potentially a good omen considering that one of the um, a couple of years ago, back in 2015-16, I believe it was, he scored 30-some goals. So, you know, I, I don't know how much better the Canadians are for this because the Foley for the most part, is a high-end um, middle six forward. But at the very least, they could have a good trade asset. So, I mean, I think I like this move by Mark The Next field, um, the biggest deal of free agency so far, Alex Petrangelo to the Golden Knights at a seven-year deal at eight point eight million per year. I mean, wow! That's my first reaction when I see this deal. Um, you know, in my opinion, the deal itself isn't bad because Petrangelo, I think, is a top five defenseman in the NHL. Um, he Is great all-around ability, and I actually expected to get more than that. I thought, um, I mean, this year is a little weirder, but the top um, player on free agency market, I think, you expect him to get more than. Eight point eight million per year. I thought if he was going to take a deal as cheap as that, it was going to be short term. But no, he's going. He took this deal. And but man, you talk about going all in for the Golden Knights. You know, I think the fit is a a little weird personally because in the playoffs, the Knights didn't really suffer from a lack of defense. They suffered from a lack of offense. And I don't think Petrangelo is a good offensive defenseman. I don't think this really. I feel like they'd be more helped with a star forward. But either way, I mean, you still can't complain about this. You know, adding a star to a really good team, you know, that doesn't really have any true weaknesses besides the offensive slump in the final bit of those playoffs. I mean, it. I mean, it's certainly it's going to make the team better on make the team better on paper. And yeah, I mean, it it makes sense to add a star to a team that was really good, but didn't really have that true star. And Although they did have to give up some depth to make this happen. So, I mean, I think this is truly one of those deals that is going to be dependent on how they do in the playoffs moving forward. I think win a cup, at least one cup in these next seven years, success. Um, don't win a cup, it's a failure. So I, I really think this is one of those deals where it's a true wait-and-see approach. The last of the big deals in free agency I'm going to talk about is Evgeny Dadunov to the Senators on a three-year deal at $5 million per year. The deal itself is fine. Adetinov's a good forward. And I, I think, if nothing else, like like Tyler Tyler Toffoli on the Canadiens, this would be... Um, Adetinov would be a good trade asset on the Senators. I just think the fits a bit weird, personally, because the Senators are still technically in that rebuilding phase. You know, they showed us some improvement last year, and I feel like that's when you typically start to add to your roster. But I just think that the three years is the weirdest part of this whole thing. I think if there were like a five, seven-year deal where you could depend on him for the future, it makes make more sense. But although I don't know if worth all that at age 30, especially with the way deals were handed out, out this year. But, you know, the three-year deal when the Senators, I doubt they're going to win any Cups during that time. I don't know how much sense it makes. I think a lot of people on, you know, follow NHL media and all that, not you know, media itself, but those the fans thought it was good. I personally disagree. I mean, it's not bad, but I just, I just don't think it makes a ton of sense. So, moving on, I'm going to talk about the two deals. I, I would put the, the the first deal I thought was pretty bad. The second deal wasn't so bad, but I'm going to talk about I, those are the deals I talked about. Was two of the worst in free agency. Um, first off, Kevin Chatankirk to the Ducks at a three year, three point nine million annual average value. Uh, not a good deal and not a good fit at all, in my opinion. Jack Kirk, he had a decent year last year on the Buck. Uh, not the Bucks, excuse me, the Lightning third pair, I believe it was. He might have been, I don't remember exactly how he played, where he played, when, but like he, that's he. even though he wasn't one of their top defensemen, he was more of a depth player and a veteran on a team that could potentially win a cup, and they did. But anyway, I, I didn't think Shattenkirk improved that much to get this deal. I thought he was worth no more than $2.5 million per year. And also, the Ducks are in that rebuilding phase, and they, like, unlike the Senators, they have not shown any signs of drastic improvement, I mean time recently you know yes i get some veterans help they could be leaders for teams that have a lot of youngsters and no really no real experience but they already have that guy in ryan Getzlaf, who's been in that organization for years and they really didn't need shankirk at all i don't think he's going to serve much of a purpose for them the Think that deals an overpay i, I def- so far i'd say this is the worst deal in free agency thus far then the last deal i want to talk about Chris Tanev to the Flames at a four-year deal at 4.5 million per year. Not a horrible, horrible deal, but I think it's for a couple of reasons. I put it more on the thumbs-down side because you know he's a good defensive defenseman. That's his main role, but offensively, he's never been that good. And also, he's an aging player. And I thought you know, also a big part of me breaking this this contract where it is is because just looking at what players got this year, they a lot of players were forced to take um, under. Underpays and all kinds of stuff like that, just because of the the cap not rising and the years being a really really weird season. So I think I mean, it's it's not. I don't. The value itself is not terrible, but I just think that you know the Flames definitely could have gotten for a lot less. And you know, yeah. So that's all the things I want to talk about. And so far the the main three players I'm so I'd hope these players would sign before talking about this, but they waited too long. Mike Hoffman's still available. Um, Anthony Duclair still available, and so is Mikhail Granlund. Um, I don't know where Mikhail Granlund's gonna end up. But I'm really hoping that my team, the Predators, could sign one of Mike Hoffman or Anthony Duclair. I think Hoffman would be really amazing because he's a player that's proven to be a consistent um, 30-plus goal scorer score over the past three years. That he is one of the best shots in the league. I, and he also I've been, I've heard that he has no problem signing a one year contract on a team. At this point he might have settled settle for that since he's waited so long to sign. So I really like I think Duplayer would be a good player too because he also has another good he is also a player with another good shot. Um not he's I think he's super talented, although he's had problems over the years, so I think we'd have to sign him to no more than a one year deal. And I don't think he'd cost as much as Hoffman, but I think one of those players would be a great add to my Fred's um Mikhail Um I'll just play it on the Pred's He's gonna. W- he's walking. Obviously, we've announced that a while back. But yeah, that's pretty much where free agency is at right now. I'm. I could be missing more players, but right now, I could think of. Right now, I'm waiting on Mike Hoffman Mikhail Granlin, and um, Anthony Declared to sign deals, and that's pretty much where it's at right now.
0: All right, so that about ends it for this week's podcast. A pretty long podcast. Um, Nick, any final thoughts?
2: Uh, nope. Uh, just. Thank you guys for listening. Um, if you guys have any comments, questions, concerns, feel free to leave them in my email at nicos 4 10 at yahoo.com. Other than that, hope to hear from you guys next week, uh, or hope you guys listen next week. <laughs> uh, see you then. I'm going to hand it over to Brian. Thank you guys.
0: Max, any final thoughts?
2: I don't know. Like I always, thank you for listening.
0: All right. Um, yeah, I guess I'll just end it here since it's already been long enough. Uh, we'll be back next week with another podcast. Let us know what you thought of this. If you have any comments, you can email us, DM us. Uh, check out our videos on YouTube, Instagram. Also videos, uh, check out our articles on our website, videos on TikTok. If you have any interest in writing for us, editing videos, any way you think could help, contact the Sport Universe 2019 at gmail.com. Other than that, thanks for listening. Bye.